So if you're if you missed um, last week here at First Hamilton, we started into a new series where we're uh, camping out in uh, Mark 11 and 12, and uh, this comes at a point in Jesus' ministry where he's in Jerusalem, he's getting ready to die. It's it's during what they call Holy Week, so the last week of his life on Earth, and and so. He's in Jerusalem, and, and he's being questioned by many of the authorities in Jerusalem. And they're asking him very tough questions about uh, what he is teaching, about what he stands for, and, and what story is he calling people into. And, and for us, as we sit here uh, in First Hamilton in the 21st century, these are important questions for, for us to sit with and to ponder because they do teach in the way that Jesus answers these questions. It teaches us a lot about the story that he invites us into. What does it mean to follow Jesus and so in this text before us this morning, Jesus is asked a question that no preacher wants to talk about. Politics. Paying taxes to Caesar. This, was, this would have been one of the most, if not the most, polarizing and controversial issues surrounding the Jewish culture being oppressed by the Roman authorities, paying taxes. And that's where we land today, and that's what we have to answer or we have to look at. So a few years ago, uh, I went to a concert with a friend, and that involved going with him back to his hometown for the weekend, and also on that same weekend, on the Sunday afternoon was a family gathering and so coming along with him to this concert in his hometown staying at his house I also accompanied him to his family gathering and as we're you know approaching the house that it was being held he he said okay there's just one thing I have to tell you we talk about everything and everything and it was true they did they talked about anything and everything except politics Politics is off the table. You can talk about anything you want except for red versus blue. And that might mean liberal or conservative or leafs, habs, depending on the way that your brain is wired. Both are very, very political. Maybe you found yourself in a similar situation. Maybe you have experienced being involved in conversations that get very heated very quickly over the issues involved in politics. Why is this? Now, there's lots of reasons why it is, but I wonder if many times when we talk about politics, one of the reasons why it becomes very passionate and polarizing is because the conversation can, can quickly move away from the issues surrounding policy or, or whatever, and move more quickly towards me versus you, versus them. Which side are you on? And these conversations tend to 
divide us rather than unify us. This is probably the reason that uh, my friend's family had a rule, no politics allowed. Nobody goes into a family function hoping for divisions. Look for unity. So in this passage this morning, Jesus is being forced to take a side. We see two groups of people that are sent in. The text says that the the Sanhedrin sent in the Pharisees and the Herodians. They did that on purpose. They did that because of where they land politically and theologically. The Pharisees were the religious and theological conservatives. Okay, they, they, were, they thought that the, 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 what to do was to follow the Torah to a T that the problem with Israel and one of the reasons why they were being oppressed by the Romans is because the people weren't pulling up their socks enough. They weren't following God's law enough. And they called people to high, high standards of living. Cut your eyes, cross your T's, follow the law of God, no matter what. And for the Pharisees, the problem was that people weren't doing this. And they believed that the, the, the Davidic kingdom would be restored when Israel got its act together. The other group sent in was the Herodians. They were more liberal. They believed that the family of Herod, who was ruling in Judea, was, could be the Messiah. That this could be a way that God was was restoring his people. And so they had a, a looser view of what the Messiah looked like. They were still Jewish, but they were more in favor of the Roman imperial authority. And so they come in and they ask Jesus a very pointed question. Should we pay tax to Caesar or shouldn't we? And Jesus is forced to pick a side. This sounds, when I was reading it, it sounded to me a lot like peer pressure doesn't it? I wonder if you've ever found yourself caught, whether it be you know, at school or, or, or at work, have found yourself caught in the middle. You know, we kind of often say between a rock and a hard place. But who are you going to side with? These are questions that nobody wants to answer, and yet Jesus is almost being forced to answer it. If he says yes, then the, the logic goes like this. The taxes were paid to Rome, and they mostly went to the Roman army. So if you pay taxes to Caesar, you fund the Roman army. And if you fund the Roman army, then you fund the people that are oppressing God's people. And so if you fund, the, if you pay the tax, you are supporting the oppression of God's people. On the other side, on the horizon, a little bit more clear cut. If you don't pay your taxes, you don't live. And so, no, there's no right answer for Jesus here. Either he answers, no, you shouldn't pay your taxes, on the side of the Pharisees, and they say, ha, you too, you too fold like a cheap deck of cards when your life is on the line. Or if he says, uh, yes, you should pay, or if he says yes, then then. People say, yeah, if you fold like a cheap deck of cards, if he says no, then he's going to get killed. It's, there's no good answer. And, and so 
Jesus here is being forced to pick a side. My side or their side? Pharisee or Herodian? I wonder how often you know, we put Jesus in a situation like this. The problem is that people in the church only like to sing hymns. Not praise and worship music. That's what the problem is. Jesus, obviously you're on my side and we should do more praise and worship music. Or you know what the problem is? These millennials, these Generation Z kids and their smartphones and Snapchat. If they only put down their cell phones and didn't act so entitled, the world would be a much better place. Jesus, obviously you're on my side. Jesus, the problem here is that there's so many people who don't look like me, don't talk like me, don't act like me, and they're taking our jobs. That's what the problem is. Jesus, obviously, you're on my side. Jesus, tell them. Tell them you're on my side. It's amazing how quickly we can assume like we have all the answers, that we're right and everybody else is wrong. Jesus, obviously, you're on my side. I've got it figured out. But Jesus' answer in this passage, or the way that he answers this question, reminds me of a, a story that actually back in the Old Testament. The story comes at a time that the Israelites were uh, getting ready to attack Jericho. And so Joshua is leading the army. And, and they're getting ready to attack. And the night before they're going to attack, Joshua sees someone. And it's a warrior. And he says to this, this vision that he has, he says, are you for us or for our enemies? In other words, are you on my side? Whose side are you on? And the person who the vision that he that Joshua has uh, neither neither but as the commander of the Lord's armies I have come I am neither for you nor for your enemies I am for the Lord and then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence to him and asked, what message does my Lord have for his servants? The commander of the Lord's army replied to him saying, take off your sandals for the place you're standing is holy. And Joshua did. It amazes me that Jesus actually answers this question in a very similar way. He says, get me one of these coins. And so they get him one of the, the, the denarius, which was the coin that they used to pay the taxes. And he said, whose inscription or whose image, which is in the Greek, is on this coin? And they say, Caesar's. And in a way of answering their question saying, yes, you should pay your taxes, he says, well, then give to Caesar what is Caesar's. But in a way that only Jesus really can do, he also, at the same time as answering this question, ups the bar. And he says, but then give to God, which is God's. So give the coin, which belongs to Caesar, back to Caesar. And give what, well, what belongs to God. Well, the word image, 
would have been a very powerful word for a first century Jew and would have instantly brought them back to the first chapter of Genesis where God creates mankind in his image. In the image of God they were created. So Jesus is saying, yeah, the coin has Caesar's image, but you, what image do you have engraved, inscripted on you? You have God's image. In the New International Version that was read, the word that Jesus uses is give. So give to Caesar that which is Caesar. Give to God that which is God. Which is, which is good, but, but the, the original Greek word isn't just give out of you know, the goodness of your heart or because you feel like it. The word is the same that is ascribed to a debt. So a more accurate translation would be repay. Repay to Caesar that which is Caesar's, and repay to God that which is God. And what commentators say Jesus is getting at is that we have been made in the image of God, created to do good works that God has prepared for us. And if you keep reading in the book of Genesis, you'll see that, that it doesn't take long for us to distort that image. Pretty much the third page of the Bible, we see that Adam and Eve are faced with a choice. They see the fruit, and they make a decision, and they say, you know, God, we know that you created us, and we know that you commanded us not to eat fruit from this tree, but we actually think we know better. We think that we can create our own side and that we're right in this one. And it would actually be better for us to eat fruit from this tree. We don't need you, God. So not only does everyone bear the image of God, but everyone distorts the image of God. This characterizes the answer that Jesus gives to the Herodians. When he says, you know, you're asking me a question about taxes, but I want to ask you a question about your heart. You're asking me about how to treat one area of a life devoted to God. I'm asking you to look at your whole life. How are you living your whole life? Is it still an us versus them? Or, or is Jesus leveling the playing field and putting all humanity on the same level and saying, this is more of a, a you versus God and you've turned your back on him. This reminds me of a story that I heard from theologian G.K. Chesterton, who was asked, uh, G.K. Chesterton, what's wrong with the world? You know, this, this might be something that the, the, the liberals may answer. You know, um, rich, selfish people, that's what's wrong. Conservatives may, may you know, answer, um, you know, the poor, lazy people, that's what's wrong with the world. Or Pharisees might say, people who don't take the law of God seriously. Or the Herodians say, well, people have such a narrow view of who the Messiah is. That's what's wrong with the world. G.K. Chesterton's answer is to this question, 
He responded, I am. I am what's wrong with the world. I think he gets what Jesus is talking about here. See, this is an answer from a person who knows that their significance doesn't come from being right. Their sense of approval doesn't come from how many people that they can persuade that that they have it all figured out. Their identity isn't rooted in who they're against. This answer comes from somebody who knows that they belong. Body and soul, life and death to Jesus Christ. Because the good news in this text is that Jesus looks at both these groups of people who are trying to pin him and trap him. And he goes to the cross for both of them. He looks at them and he says, they're the problem. (laughs) And he's right. Them. On the cross, Jesus Christ saw people who were killing him and he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They think they're right and they're dead wrong. But I'm going to die to save them. Jesus, what side are you on? Jesus is on God's side. John 3.16, God loved the whole world, so he sent his only son. The Jesus side is for people who, like G.K. Chesterton, know that they don't have it all together, know that they're the problem in the world, and that it's only by grace through Jesus Christ, that we are made heirs of in the kingdom of God. In his life, in Jesus' life, his mission was to love people, places, and things to life again. I wonder what would happen if we gave up the illusion that we could change the world by pushing our looked at Jesus and saw him caring for the weak and the vulnerable, loving those who were different from him, who didn't necessarily agree, reaching out to the widows and the orphans. I wonder what would happen if we we listened to Jesus and loved our enemies and prayed for those who were persecuting us instead of trying to assert ourselves above our enemy and hating those who are persecuting us. And I'm not saying politics isn't important. I'm not saying that, that taxes shouldn't be paid or, polic- or um, you know, p- policies and doing, uh, working in government is not good. That's part of God's redeeming the world. But it's not all about being right. It's about being more like Jesus. What's wrong with the world? I am. What's right with the world? He has died. He has risen again. And he's coming again. And in this we rejoice. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for being a God who doesn't choose sides. 
for, for being a God who loves us regardless of age or race, liberal, conservative, Leafs or Habs. God, we thank you that you have gone to the cross for us when we were forgetting you, turning our backs to you. She died to save us. Lord, we pray that this would sink deep into our hearts. Would you give us your spirit that we would see the ways that you have called us to love those who disagree with us, to care for those who are persecuting us. Lord, we pray that you would make this word come alive in our everyday life. In Jesus' name, amen.